In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis of all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the gold dome. And today I'm joined by AJC veteran, veteran, veteran correspondent, James Salzer, who has been at the Capitol since when? Uh, since surely after Oglethorpe stepped on the uh, Georgia soil. <laughs> um, and I'm actually calling from the middle of middle Georgia, the post-victory campaign trail with Brian Kemp for the last couple of days. And I picked up some new datelines that I've never had before. I mean, look, I've had plenty of, the, the, you know, Savannahs and Macons, but I've never had a Chula Georgia dateline. But let's get right into the uh, what we're here to talk about, which is the next a new era in Georgia politics really begins with the inauguration of, of Brian Kent and a slew of new lawmakers and state executive officials who will take office. And you know, we've got a lot of on our plate, including the start of a two-year session, which means pretty much a fresh slate for lawmakers. Yeah, right, James? yeah you start from scratch. Every uh, legislative term has essentially two has a two-year cycle, and so you you file bills the first year of that cycle, it happens after an election. And you, so you, the, you file bills the first year, um, and those bills kind of, if they don't pass the first year, they live on to the next year. So uh, you really start from scratch every two years in terms of bill filing. But, of course, what's unusual about this year is um, we have a new governor. We have a new lieutenant governor, so we, we – um, start from scratch in many ways. Uh, they will be setting the agenda, and we go in kind of not not having as clear a picture as we would have we did two years ago when we had an incumbent uh, in both those positions. Yeah, and you're right. Um, we're, we we know broadly what Brian Kemp will focus on. We know that he will focus on passing at least a part of his five thousand dollar future pay raise. We know that there will be some new criminal justice type crackdowns on gang violence and sex trafficking. Um, and we imagine that he'll also work towards boosting rural Georgia in some form or fashion, probably rural broadband and, and maybe tinkering with the education formula. Um, but we don't have too many specifics on how he'll do all that. And over the next couple of days, we're going to start learning them as he has his inauguration speech, his eggs and issues uh, address, and then his first day in the state speech on Thursday. So kind of a gauntlet of, of big events for the incoming right. Yeah, and he's and he's yeah, the things he has talked about doing are um, even if we don't have the 
specifics. They're broadly things that the, that the, that the legislature is almost certainly going to be supportive of. I, I haven't heard a single legislator who has said, you know, we don't, we shouldn't give teachers pay raises. They, they've mm-hmm. talked about maybe not being able to afford the full raise that he wants to give, you know, out of the box. But um, that, that's not, you know, teacher pay raise is, is mom and apple pie at the legislature. I mean, the, it's, it's almost broadly supported. The same thing with uh, going, cracking down on, on gangs. I don't think anybody's going to say, you know what, we shouldn't crack down on gangs. It's, we should just let gangs do whatever they want. Um, so he's, he's uh, kind of staking out pretty popular, I think, probably issues, you know, issues that, that the legislature is probably going to go along with. It's just a question of exactly the details of what they're going to look like. Exactly. Same thing in rural Georgia. I mean, even 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 Metro Atlanta politicians understand sure. the need to help rural Georgia. Um, so that that sets up the interesting question, though, of what happens to the other part of his agenda, right? I mean, the stuff he spoke. You can almost divide Brian Kemp up into two different phases, is uh, two different agendas. There was the primary agenda where he talked about passing the nation's toughest abortion restrictions, swearing that he'd sign a religious liberty uh, bill. Uh, new gun rights expansions, uh, strict cap on state spending. And then there was the general election agenda where he's still not championing gun rights, but it was much more about these broader education, recruitment things, school safety measures, that kind of thing. So how much he goes back to the to the first phase of Brian Kemp will be really interesting to see. Over the yeah, we may, but we may not see that legislatively. We may see, you know, if, if you're, if they are, if, if there's contribution controversial issues like that, you know, uh, uh, the go- a governor may say, um, I'll sign it, but you go ahead and, you know, let the legislature, let members of the legislature actually fight out whether they do uh, constitutional carry or stricter abortion um, laws. He, he, he may get it done the same way, but he, he's not actually the person who's out in front saying, you know, we're going to do X. Exactly. How much capital he actually decides to put behind the things. And we saw that with Governor Deal with when, it, when we had big social culture wars types debates over religious liberty and the campus gun measure. On both those issues, he made it very clear, this is not my issue. I may or may not sign it. He ended up vetoing religious liberty and signing the campus gun bun. But he said, I may or may not sign it. But I'm not saying that I'm going to veto it for sure. But what I am saying, and he made very clear, is that these were not his issues. With Brian Kemp, these will be his issues, um, you assume, but how much he puts behind it, if he demands right. it, if it, if it becomes a bargaining chip and a negotiation with the House or Senate over budget, you know, any number of those things uh, will be up for grabs. And at the same time, we have a brand new president of the state Senate and Jeff Duncan, who will also be kind of testing the waters and testing his leadership skills. Right. Yeah, both, I mean, both of them are, it's going to be kind of, uh, um, you know, on the job training camp was he was in the you know state senate and he's been a statewide elected official and run an agency for eight years. So he he has you know he has more of the background I think of, uh, of maybe to be governor as opposed to uh, Jeff Duncan who was in the house briefly and uh, is is you know kind of learning where the bathroom is at in in the senate. Although. Um, you know, he's, I know he's been over there, you know, meeting with senators and, and, and preparing. So he won't be a complete novice. Yeah, novice is the Spanish way to say no. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
What we do know is uh, of the three big players in Georgia politics over the last year, Neil, Casey Cagle, and David Ralston, the last one standing is now David Ralston. He's going to have, he already has a lot of power. He's going to retain and maybe even expand his, his, his influence in the Georgia Capitol over the next year. Um, and he's kind of echoing a lot of what we're hearing from Republican leaders is that, you know, that's focused on economic pocketbook issues. Let's not worry, let's not wait in these divisive cultural debates. Um, and he's saying very clearly one of the reasons he's worried about that is because he doesn't want to jeopardize the, the, the handful of remaining suburban Republican lawmakers after a 2018 election cycle that wiped out most of the suburban crowd in, in, in the Georgia capital. Yeah, that, that's true. But on, on the other hand, I have to say that he had, he had a briefing with reporters and he, when he was asked about religious liberty, Speaker Ralston um, essentially said, um, this is a solution We're looking for a problem. I think that's always been his attitude that that this is really not something we desperately need to do. There's not a big crisis um, on this issue, and there's always been members of members of the legislature um, who have pushed this, and so I think he's always pushed back on it. So I don't know if it's purely uh, Republican. It may be somewhat, but I don't know if it's purely Republican politics. I think it's. Uh, and the other thing I wonder about a lot this this issue this year. And in relationship to Brian Kemp is whether some of this stuff will get put off the next year because next year's an election year. And those are the kind of issues that are really, you know, big for the Republican base um, in an election year, but they're not necessarily, you know, there, there is no election this year. So do you do it this year before an election year or do you wait to, you know, to, to pump up the base next year? Just about all the Republicans who could be considered moderates in the Georgia legislature were, were ousted in office. Either they retired, they ran for other, other seats, or they, uh, or they were defeated by Democrats in 2018. So he's also dealing with a caucus, the same thing in the Senate, that is going to be on the whole more conservative. And you're going to also see Democrats who are going to take a much more probably confrontational, if not confrontational, progressive approach um, than they did four years ago, five years ago, maybe yeah. even last year. Uh, with a, and it's going to be interesting. How do you think that plays out with, with a newly expanded Democrat? They're still in the minority, but they picked up 11 seats in the, in the House and two seats in the state Senate. And right. So they've got, they've got an extended minority and they've got a little bit more house to throw around. Well, the other thing is, you know, it, 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 you know we still have, we still have uh, all elected officials or statewide elected officials are Republican. We still have a Republican majority in the House and Senate. But there is a, some sense that Democrats here are emboldened by the fact that they almost won the governor's race. It was fairly close. That they have uh, gained all these seats in the the House in particular, but also the Senate. And it's kind of the opposite of what I said about uh, social issues for Republicans. Democrats are already looking at 2020. I mean, they they already see. Um, Look, this is an old, this is this is uh, you know President Trump will be up. We'll have a U.S. Senate race that could possibly involve Stacey Abrams again. So they're they're emboldened to say, you know, we're going to go after it now. We're going to go. We're, this is a big year. And it's also a very big election year next year for Democrats because that legislature will be the one that redistricts the state, which is will, will determine um, in, in at least in part. Um, 
whether the Republicans continue to dominate the legislature in the 2020s. We talked about some of the some of the social issues that could come up with this newly constituted legislation that was being sworn in on Monday. Um, but also, you know, lawmakers have their own priorities. I mean, Brian Kemp's going to be pushing for a, a portion of his teacher pay raise and his, his gang violence initiatives and sex trafficking initiatives. The lawmakers have their own agenda. Uh, what, what do you think becomes one of the kind of sleeper debates of this year? There should be some really interesting tax issues where I think politically they don't, it, politically they can, there will be some dangerous debates. One will be this push, they're going to push once again for the Netflix tax, which I think is it, kind of a classic rural versus urban fight because people in Atlanta are not going to want to pay on streaming services. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll give lip service to saying we want better broadband in rural Georgia, but they'll be uh, uh, reluctant to then turn around and go, oh, but we'll, we're, we're going to pay for it um, by taxing ourselves. I think that will be a pretty controversial issue. And I think before I think before recently, Ralston's recent comments a week before the session, um, I think the cigarette tax would have been a really hot issue. Um, mm-hmm. Both, both the, the chairman of both tax committees um, and, and the tax committees were a prominent legislature um, were, were pushing for or were supporting a pretty big increase in, in cigarette taxes and, and taxing e-products, e-cigarette uh, uh, products. Speaker Ralston, who has been a smoker in the past, if, if not now, I'm not sure if he does, he still does, but he has been a smoker, said, that's not something I want to see done. So um, that also be a controversial issue, I think, if, if, they, if it gets raised. And another uh, piece of news he made uh, on that Friday, uh, the Thursday press conference, is about another issue that's percolating for a long time in the state capitol, and that's the state senate sort of pushed to uh, take more control over Atlanta's airport. Atlanta City Hall and, and Mayor Tisha Bonhams has fought vigorously against that, and it was often united with Governor Deal in that effort. Governor Deal's gone, and she does not have as warm a relationship with, with incoming Governor Brian Kemp, and the state senate is pushing hard for some sort of way to give the state some more oversight over the over Atlanta airport after this federal probe into corruption. Um, they see it. They see kind of an opening. Well, Ralston said as well that he has little appetite for that. So you heard you heard David Ralston kind of um, tamp down several of the senate's biggest bigger priorities. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they won't go anywhere. That does mean that it right. can become a big bargaining chip. I think that, I mean I think they'll be debated and, and I, I I also kind of think that once Governor Kemp hasn't uh, hasn't made you know big news on that issue I, he he also is a kind of sold himself as like a, a good businessman and I, I, I find it uh, it, it would be in, it would be hard for me to imagine that he's going to come out against state takeover of one of the giant economic engines of the state in the end I, I don't know that I don't know that uh, Governor Kemp would have would have gone for that anyways. And then there are the host of perennial issues that come up every uh, every year, it seems. Right. One of them is going to be a new push to expand gambling, to allow casino gambling in Georgia. Right. Um, my, my gut tells me it's not going to go anywhere. We had we had sort of uh, Governor Deal get to some sort of, sort of truce over it, where he eventually said, I'll never support casino gambling, but if a constitutional amendment, if lawmakers pass a constitutional amendment and voters agree to it, I won't block it. Um, right. Brian Kemp has not said anything to that effect. 
he's actually on the record many, many times on the campaign trail saying he, he, he will not stomach any sort of casino gambling. So right. um, that effort might not get anywhere. Right. And I think that's a constitution. I think that's an issue that probably no governor, no governor going forward is probably going to jump on the bandwagon for. So it will take a constitutional amendment to uh, probably ever allow that. And there'll be a lot of health care debates that will yep. be raging once again. Yep. Um, you know, Democrats are going to push for Medicaid expansion. Republicans won't, won't be doing anything of the sort. But there will be debate over um, some sort of waiver system that, that, um, that waiver that Brian Kemp's administration seems almost certain to, to address this year or, or next year. Um, and he said on the campaign trail that he would not do a Medicaid waiver, but he'd do some form of Affordable Care Act waiver. We'll see that we'll see if, if given that pot of money that's out there for medic for some limited Medicaid expansion, if he uh, if he holds to that. Right. There's there's that, and then there is there'll be a move to greatly increase um, tax credits for mostly corporations that are ones that are donors, but corporations and individuals who uh, donate to rural hospitals to keep them open. When you talk to hospitals that are receiving the money, they, they're ecstatic about that program. I mean, the bill was originally uh, sponsored by Jeff Duncan, our new lieutenant governor. So both both uh, the lieutenant governor and governor have been um, supportive of that program. Well, now that you've opened the door to predictions, before we go and ask you one last, <laughs> one last prediction, we've got a crazy busy week. Ahead with the inauguration and the swearing in of all the lawmakers on Monday, the opening of the session on Monday. On Wednesday, we have Edge and Issues Breakfast and more legislative fun. On Thursday, we have Kemp's first State of the State address and his inaugural gala that, that evening. Uh, what are your predictions? What do you what do you expect to hear from Brian Kemp over the next couple of days? To me, it's a, a, a he, I, I suspect that he'll continue to kind of speak in broad terms about. Um, what his goals are. We haven't gotten an indication of, uh, of any, any specifics, and I'm not sure he will, uh, other than the budget, of course. When he you know, does the budget, he's got to release what the numbers are. And so I expect to, obviously, um, I'm, I'm, my guess would be that he's going to um, offer a pretty decent pay raise to teachers and maybe state employees uh, who haven't had who've had very few raises in the last decade. A lot of the specifics we won't learn until Thursday in State of the State, but you probably have a better indication of exactly what's in the details than I do because you've been following him the last three days. We went through Governor Deal's, you know, all his promises in 2010 and 2014, and he accomplished some of them, and he didn't accomplish uh, others. Um, but one thing to keep in mind, too, is, yes, Ken made all these, a lot of promises, and a lot of them are very expensive, but you don't have to do them all in one year. Yeah, um, you shouldn't ex- so, and you shouldn't expect the new governor to do them in the first year, anyways. I mean, you know, you yeah. want you you kind of expect the administration to do kind of one big thing in the first year, or you know, try to meet one of their big. If they make five big promises to do one of them in the in the first year, if you do two of them in the first year, that's great. But um, I, I don't know that that anyone um, at the Capitol, uh, the veteran politicians, the lobbyists, would say they expect 
uh, any governor to come in and say and, and immediately do everything he said on the campaign trail. Now, reporters are always going to ask about that because they did, you know, they did publicly state it. But the reality is, yeah. reality is, a lot of legislation takes two or three years to get passed. Um, we've been talking about casinos for four or five <laughs> sessions, and um, you know, it may take another five or six sessions for it for it to get passed. If if he came in and got everything he he promised passed in one session, he would be, you know, he would set some kind of a record because um, it just doesn't happen that way. Well, he's in it for the long haul, um, and so are we. James, you're never retiring, so this is like your 330th uh, session we're going to. This is my yeah. 15th, so so we're ready for it. Uh, yep. and, and stay with us throughout the session because we'll be, we'll have a lot more to talk about, about Brian Kemp's first year, about the, the, the Senate race that's shaping up about legislative parties, we're going to be busy. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.